Hey, lovelies, we are in the full swing of winter over here at Impact Fashion. Um, I'm sure by now that you've heard about my new design, the mod dress. The pre-order for that has closed, but it'll be coming in in stock in a little bit. Uh, the snuggle dresses are arriving this week. We have the most perfect pleated skirts that are a great, great winter skirt. And the truth be told, most of the collection are really fantastic year-round pieces. So it's, it's a fun, fun time here. So make sure that you check all of that out at impactfashionnyc.com. The best way to stay up to date on exactly what's going on at all times and get first dibs on pre-orders and when things come in stock is actually to sign up for emails. So if you go to the site, there is a little pop-up. You can put in your information there. If you don't see it, feel free to just reach out to the contact form. I'll add you to the list. And the other thing that you should know is that I have a referral program that actually gives you cash for referring your friends. So you sign up for the referral program on the site. Just scroll to the footer. You'll see there's something that says referral program. Uh, you sign up to get a specific link. It's totally free to get a link. You don't even need to be an existing customer to get one. And then you share that link with your friends. If your friends make a purchase using your link, then you will get $25 gift card to use towards your next purchase at Impact Fashion. Um, the gift cards are stackable. So the more friends you refer, the better, you know, the more you get off. And it's a really great way to let people know about clothes that you love uh, and earn some cash yourself to expand your collection. One last quick note before we get started. This episode is the third in a four-part series on breast cancer in the Jewish community. You don't need to listen to the episodes in order, but if you missed the first two parts, I highly recommend going back once you finished this episode. Both of those two episodes deal with the BRCA gene, um, and it is the two different women telling their stories of how they um, discovered that they were positive and how they dealt with it. Um, and they have two very different perspectives. So definitely go check those out after you listen to this one and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. And on today's show, I talk with a current stage four breast cancer patient about her life. She shares the series of events that led to her discovering she had cancer, her initial interest in homeopathic cures, and what eventually led her to decide to start chemo, her feelings about not looking sick, and how she takes care of her emotional health. For pretty obvious reasons, the stories around actually having cancer aren't usually told by the patients themselves. Shauna Alayev is flipping the script by documenting her cancer journey in real time online. I think it's fair to say that most of us have had nightmares that include receiving a cancer diagnosis. This is how she lives with that nightmare as her reality. As a little kid, I, I am told that I was very um, wild. <laughs> like I... It's funny because my mom is like, when I tell her about my kids right now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so wild. He's just doing this. And he just, he's so independent and wants to do everything himself. And mom's like, yeah, payback. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to do everything myself. And that was very, um, apparently just like, I love to dance and sing. Um, I still do. And just outgoing, even though it's funny, because I know that for myself inside, I know myself and I know that like, I was shy, you know, but I think it comes out sometimes like some people who are shy, but it, they like overcompensate and like just talk a lot and looks like they're so, you know, outgoing and, you know, not embarrassed or anything like that. So, 
yeah but I don't know what was the question (laughs) (laughs) no you got it you did it the um I um doing doing this series on on breast cancer and breast cancer cancer awareness was really important to me and I did I basically just like put out into the universe if you know, if there's anyone who has been touched by or affected by breast cancer in any way and wants to come on the show, or if you know anyone who might, then, you know, please let me know. I want to, I'd really like to do this series on the podcast. Um, And a lot of people suggested you, which is how, you know, I I came to find you in your page because you have been super, super public about your current struggle with stage four breast cancer. Um, And I'd love to just, I'm just going to turn over the floor to you. What, what happened? How'd you find it? What, what went on go okay all right um well anyway first of all I'm I'm flattered that people you know said you know recommended me um yes it is I am very public someone just mentioned today she's like yeah I don't know how you have time to like do all this like you're so you're just public you're out there and everyone knows everything and I'm like I know how do I like reverse that this is crazy (laughs) but yeah at the end of the day I'm happy and and, you know, thank God I'm able to reach people and, you know, share my story and help anyone who, you know, is possibly going through something similar. So how I found it. Um, okay, let's go back. So I was, um, I just finished nursing my uh, then like almost two-year-old, um, my son. And um, I did feel like some kind of lump on the left side of my breast. And I was like, okay, it's, you know, a clogged milk duct, you know, mothers who nurse, you know, that this is common to get. And, um, and that was that. Then um, I found out that I was pregnant a little while later. And that was still there, that lump. Um, and um, it was, first of all, COVID. So things were very slow and doctors, you know, were not as available. Um, anyway, I, also, like, I just moved. I moved from, the, from you know, New York to New Jersey. So I did not have a set, like, in New York, I had, you know, my three kids in New York. I had a midwife set up here. It was really hard for me to find somebody um, where I live. Anyway, finally, I found someone. I was already a few months pregnant. Um, and I had mentioned to her, you know, look, I have a little lump. And let's, what is this? And she just said, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's normal. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'm not gonna make myself crazy. There's a lot of things to deal with. I'm pregnant. It's my fourth kid and it's COVID and this is crazy. We also had just moved to a house. So it was a very busy time. Um, and then it got worse. So the lump got bigger, like much bigger. I also started noticing, you know, changes in the breast. So my, my breast were like, it was hot and inflamed, like much bigger um and not like you know okay I know I'm being very explicit but like not like both equally so it's not like when you get pregnant and then you know your movies get bigger it was one was and the other one not so um I mentioned it again to my midwife and I was like hey I don't think this is normal it also it also hurt me um it was painful so she said look you know there's nothing we can do when you're pregnant anyways so you have to just wait till you give birth and then you could, you know, check it. I'm thinking nothing I could do about like, what, you know, what was she thinking? You know, I wasn't even thinking about cancer. I was just like, okay, let's get this, whatever it is. Um, and also other people were telling me, oh, if it hurts, don't worry. It's not cancer because cancer doesn't hurt. And I was like, okay, fine. Good. You know, not good that it hurts, but good that it's not 
you know, this worst thing. Um, anyway, I spoke to, I had a doula and she was very, you know, level-headed and really nice. And she was like, if you're concerned and this is something that's bothering you, you can definitely get it checked out. So let's, you know, make your midwife um, get you an ultrasound. So I asked her for a script and she got, we got an ultrasound. Um, in the ultrasound room, the, you know, the woman who was doing it was like, okay, you're going to hear see the results in like a week or something. And I said, okay, no problem. Um, but as she was, you know, scanning, you know, she's looking at the screen with her eyes like bulging open and she's like, oh my God. And I knew she's, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then at the end, she's like, okay, do you mind just waiting here? I just want to call the doctor and, uh, you know, see if he can come and see you. And I'm like, oh God, that's not good. She just told me that I'm going to wait a week. And now she's telling me, wait, just stay here. So she comes back like a few minutes later and she's like, okay, the doctor's not in, but he's in the hospital nearby and he's coming over and just, can you please wait like 10 minutes? I'm like, wait, stop. What's going on? You told me to wait. Like, okay. Okay. So she comes back. First of all, when she said, okay, you know, wait here, I was like, okay, I quickly texted my family. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. This is happening. They called the doctor and everyone was saying, Helen, it was like so scary. The doctor comes back and he looks at the scan. He's doing a few more things and he's like, okay, look, this is a really, really bad breast infection and you need to take antibiotics like right now. And I was like, oh my God, an infection. Okay, thank you. I would deal with that. I just thought you were talking about something else. And he's like, okay, whatever. First of all, I didn't even get the antibiotics till like, you know, a few days later because it was just literally crazy. He, my midwife didn't even, it was just really insane um, communication. And I kept calling them, telling them, hey, they said I have to take antibiotics right away. What's going on? Another midwife called me back who I never saw before. It was just a really weird place. And I am very upset with the way they handled everything. Finally, took the antibiotics and just, I'm like, how long do I have to take this for? And she's like, just take it and we'll see what happens. I took it for a week, nothing changed. Two weeks, nothing like, I don't know, maybe I thought I saw some changes. And I was like, she's like, just keep taking it. And first of all, I don't like taking antibiotics. So, but at that point, I was like, this is looking, you know, really scary. And I don't want an infection. And what if it spreads to the baby? You know, it was almost due. So I did what I had to do, but nothing was happening. It's, I was almost, almost on it for like a month. Um, finally, I gave birth in the hospital. I told the hospital staff also, like, you know, they have lactation consultants come in and I was like, Hey, look at this, what's going on. And they were like, um, yeah, try to pump, try to do this and all these different things. One nurse there, I do remember now, like looking back and seeing, you know, what actually happened. I think she knew that it was cancer and she was like, hey, maybe you should go get a mammogram, uh, you know, just check it out. And, you know, when it's not on your mind and you're not thinking about cancer, you're like, oh my God, what are you telling me? I don't have to go get a mammogram. That's like so, you know, extra. And I'm only 32 years old. How old was I? 32, 31. Um, so I don't need to get a mammogram. I just had a baby also. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, I think she knew. She had like tears in her eye a little bit and yeah. So, okay, I didn't, oh, so nothing happened after that. Um, I went, like my midwife wasn't concerned either. No one said anything except that nurse who like mentioned, you know, because, you know, she, I think knew. But a little bit later, um, I think two weeks after I had the baby, I 
searched online and I asked for recommendations for a different lactation consultant. She told me to go to a breast surgeon to, you know, see maybe I could have whatever this is, this lump, this, you know, infection removed. So I found a breast surgeon um, in New Jersey and I went to her and I, I showed her my ultrasound that I had done before. And she um, said, okay, based on this ultrasound, it looks like you should probably get um, a mammogram, but the mammogram's probably going to say we need a biopsy. So let's just do a biopsy right now. And again, I don't, I didn't know what a mammogram really was. I wasn't really sure about a biopsy. So I was like, okay, fine. And she did uh, a biopsy that, that was not guided. So she didn't have an ultrasound with her seeing which spot to take out. Um, and she just went in like blindly. Anyway, I was very nervous also like, oh my gosh, what's going on? My husband was waiting in the car with my baby because we were you know, on our way to Brooklyn for me to go to another lactation consultant to like literally try to drain this. I was very, I very into breastfeeding and I was only breastfeeding on one side at the time and which is obviously really hard to do. And I was getting like, you know, tired and sore and I wanted to fix whatever was going on. Plus it also hurt still. And I knew something was going on, you know? So my baby's in the car, I'm upstairs with a surgeon getting a biopsy that I never expected that I would have to do. Um, also, it was really painful so and traumatic. And I'm sitting there like with my mask on by myself, two weeks postpartum, getting a biopsy. This woman honestly was very like cold. And I just literally saw the, like, she like, you know, um, did a little incision and like punched, you know, some skin tissue. And I saw like my flesh being, you know, putting on the slide. And I was just like, what is happening? Okay. So a week later, she calls me and says, Hey, Shauna, um, I just want you to know it's not cancer. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Okay. Thank you. Well, now what do I do? And she's like, okay, well, you know, you just go to your lactation consultants, whoever you're going to, and, you know, try to figure it out. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Like, again, no direction, no follow-up or anything. Um, and also looking back at now, I'm thinking, wow, what? If she is a breast surgeon and she works in the cancer, with cancer and stuff like that, she saw my breast. It looked like classic signs of inflammatory breast cancer. Um, which is basically like very inflamed, red, hot to touch, and looked like they call it like the orange peel effect, which is like, you know, I mean, you know, like an orange and the skin of the orange is like, you know, a little bumpy and stuff like that, and like, like indented. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually what it looked like. And um, she saw that, like what? And now you're going to say it's not cancer just because you checked one spot that you weren't even guided by. So Again, she was de definitely also negligent, and um, but she's a surgeon, a breast surgeon. So who am I to question her? You know. So okay, once I heard it's not cancer, I was like, okay, my kids were home from school. It's COVID going on. I had just had a baby, and I was overwhelmed completely. Um, I was going to a lactation consultant who was literally like massaging the breast, trying to get the milk, quote unquote, out, which that wasn't it you know we were thinking yes it's an infection it's milk stuff let's get it out and I have a high tolerance for pain so and I'm very stubborn so I'm like yes I don't care let's get it out just I literally wanted to take like I'm telling you like a knife just cut it open and take whatever that was it was very 
really giving me such, you know, um, but again, I had an ultrasound. They said it's not cancer. I had a biopsy. They said it's not cancer. So I was like, why am I being such a drama queen and trying to like make a big deal? This is everyone's like, calm down, Shauna. Like it's not, it's not making it like, don't put it into the universe and say that it's cancer, you know? So, and, and you know how like they say like, you know, think good, it's going to be good. So really I was thinking that I'm doing something like by being worried and by like trying to seek out extra help, then I'm just calling on atten- like bad attention to myself, you know? whatever. It was just a whole thing. Um, okay. So event, eventually I realized this is not working. I went to like different people, different, you know, breast experts, quote unquote, and nothing was happening. Um, eventually I just had this feeling. I'm like, okay, I don't, no one knows what they're talking about. This is getting really bad. Again, I was only nursing on one side and that really started to be very, very painful. I had this extreme extreme like shocks in the breast and I've nursed for years with my other kids I knew none of this was normal um so and even this lactation consultant who I who I was going to who was always like you nurse no matter what was like Shauna I I know you love this and you want to you know nurse your baby but I think you need to stop like I, I was hunched over I couldn't move um it was really bad at that point so I had to take some herbs to like dry up my milk and it so like I was so emotional was this was already like the baby was like four months old and I just had to realize like okay that's it there's nothing else I could do I'm just done um how long did you nurse your other children out of curiosity um two till they were two years old so so stopping at four months was a huge deal for you yeah I was like what do you mean I'm not even getting started like what's going on you know um and I and plus also I really wanted to give my baby breast milk. Like I just was very into that. Um, of course I know that whatever, you know, fed is best, whatever the baby has is fine. Um, so, you know, but I, for me, I was like, wait, what? Now I have to look into what breast milk to, I mean, what, uh, you know, formula to get and, and where to get it and have to like another thing that I have to think about. I was just so overwhelmed. Um, Actually, in the end, just side note, I ended up finding like donors who people who have a lot of extra supply or people who, you know, their babies stop nursing and they or people who are pumping for their babies in the NICU and their babies can't take that much milk and they have just a lot. And thank God I found a lot of, um, you know, Jewish women. So they, they eat kosher and, you know, the milk is quote unquote, you know, kosher. I know people are like, what do you mean? What do you mean the milk has to be kosher? It's a Jewish woman whatever. Anyway, um, I got a lot of milk from that. And to be honest, my baby's almost two years old. And I had just, just recently like stopped with, with the breast milk. So she's been getting breast milk all this time, not mine, but other people's. And again, it's very stubborn. I kept like, I just, I thank God, like from all over. So I've had people from Muncie, from Lakewood, from New Jersey, from Brooklyn, from Queens, getting milk from all different places. Okay. So Eventually, I went to a different doctor. I found another part of New Jersey. There was another breast surgeon. I sent her my stuff, and she said, like, she was very wise. And she's like, okay, let's get another ultrasound because that one, you know, was a while ago, and let's let's see what's going on. So she did all the right tests, and eventually, you know, she's the one who found it. Um, they did an ultrasound, and the same thing that happened, you know, when I was pregnant, you know, the woman's looking at the machine, like, eyes bulging out of her head. 
she gets the doctor he comes in and he's like oh what's he said we should do a mammogram so I he was like let's just do it you know right away and I was nervous but he's like it was Friday actually and he was a Jewish doctor so he was like he said let's do it now but then he's like you know what you live like an hour away let's let's just wait till Monday just for calm and relax so I was gonna drive myself there actually but thank god um my friend texted me that morning like she's like hey do you want to just like get together some coffee or something and I was like hey I'm actually about to go get a mammogram but uh she's like let me take you and thank god thank god that happened because I would not be able to drive myself home um because I just got the news that day basically um her mom also had had cancer so she knew like oh mammogram she let me go with her you know so she's 31 she's 31 she's getting a mammogram this might not end well right exactly so I I went and they did the mammogram first of all anyone who has had mammograms knows that they are not fun um do you know how they are like do you know I know but I'd love if you could describe it for someone who's okay so basically um you know those panini presses sure yeah (laughs) like like what they like what they make sandwiches in exactly you put the sandwich in and then you just like press down and squeeze so it's kind of flat yes that is exactly what they do for the mammograms you basically stand and you take the breast someone you know um helps you and you put it on this like you know uh not glass but like you know metal table thing and then they take this presser thing and put it like on your chest to just squeeze and as much as they can obviously they're not like it's not it's also not fast like not like boom so they slowly slowly squeeze until it's like they can really get a good picture of everything going on inside um and they do like you know they turn the breast different sides different angles it's it's painful now on top of that a lactating woman with breast milk inside and who had just had a baby it's very you know sore and um sorry oh my god this is like a lot of like TMI, Please. I guess, but we live know, for TMI on this, this podcast. Oh no, okay. go go for it. No, you have big okay. sore boobs. This is not <laughs> yeah. gonna be fun. Yes, and like it was just so yeah. Anyway, um they did that. Um the doctor was very, very thorough. He had like after I was done, um, he had them do a little bit more, like a few more images. Okay, then I go and I'm waiting. Um, you know, I got dressed, waiting in the waiting room and he comes to me and he's like, hi, who's, who's with you? And I'm like, oh, my friend is here. Um, he's like, well, why don't you call her in? And I'm going to talk to you in, you know, the consulting room, whatever. And I was like, bring my friend in. He's like, how close are you with her? I'm like, I don't know. She's, you know. And anyway, I call my friend. I'm like, hey, the doctor like wants you to come in. Is that okay? Do you, do you feel comfortable? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm here for you. And, you know, she comes in. And I'm like smiling because I'm like, what's going on? You know, what's happening? And also, like, I smile and laugh and make jokes when I'm nervous. Anyway, so I just remember being in the room, and he's like, okay, so this is the breast. He showed me the picture, like, on the screen. He's like, this is your breast, and there is lots of calcification, and there is breast cancer all over here. Your whole breast is just, there's tumors everywhere. And I'm, like, looking at him and just hearing him say tumors and like wait tumor like that could mean something else right like does tumor not mean cancer and you know like I'm thinking questioning myself and my friend looks at me and she's like Shana, it's 
okay and like sorry it's like going back in that memory but um she's like you know she's like you're gonna be okay and and she knew about different organizations so she's just like you know telling me about different things and he's like we need to do um a biopsy and this biopsy is not going to tell us if you have cancer because we know you definitely do, but we need to know what type of cancer so we can know what type of treatment you're going to have. And literally, I just, I remember like kind of just not listening anymore, but just looking at his face, seeing his mouth move and just having a conversation with myself in my head, like, Shauna, you're just going to play this in your head again and, and just hear tumors, tumors. And I, that's what, it, like, that's kind of how it is. Like I just, that's what's going on. Um, Anyway, we drove, I think I even made a joke in the room and like laughed a little bit and like, anyway, we drove home and, and I was just like crying in the car and I was like, I knew it. Everyone told me that, don't worry, don't worry, think good, it's going to be good and it's not cancer and look, and I was just so, just really upset. Um, anyway, I didn't even know like what to think um, at that point. Um, okay, so two days later, I had a biopsy, and this was an actual biopsy. This other woman who did it months before, obviously, I don't know what she was doing because nothing that they did is what she did. So they had, I come in there, again, COVID, so by myself, like, they don't let anybody in with you, and that was just very traumatic. Um, everyone's wearing masks on, and they tell me they're going to leave these little um, clips in in the breast where they you know do the biopsy and I'm like what do you mean I had a biopsy before they didn't do that and he's like I mean this is standard you're supposed to leave clips in so that if you do more scans you can see the point where they did the biopsy and where they took it out and I'm like yeah, that makes sense but okay like I didn't want this little piece of whatever it is inside of my body um and anyway they did about one two three four five uh different or six they did like they took in, in different areas of the breast and they also did on the other side um you know under the arm by the lymph nodes and again by the way I just remember that was so painful and like I don't know anyone who had biopsy before knows but it just they just take a the ultrasound you know when they do an ultrasound they have this little thing that like they push down on you sometimes. like the, like the, the wand thing yeah and like let's say they're trying to find a heartbeat when you're like someone's pregnant they like push in the stomach right. to find it so they, they were doing that in the breast pushing pushing and then like that wasn't the worst part but when they push then they take this little like it's a needle but it's basically like they push it in and then it like like just like um like a grabber kind of thing and it like goes into the breast into your tissue grabs it and then pulls it out yeah that doesn't sound and, pleasant yeah so and it was really like also the anticipation so as they're pushing pushing down and it's like you know, leaning down trying to breathe and then waiting for like when he's going to press that button to just boom like take it out so that was very very painful I remember just sitting there crying and crying and crying and like I remember thinking like being very upset at God like who that why are you doing this to me and what is going on with my life I 
just had a baby and now you're saying I have cancer and this is painful and this is happening and why and upset and and just I just remember feeling like so alone and so upset and so much pain and I get home and I have like all these scars all over me and um I actually like I also like I write songs and I remember writing this like song like to Hashem like how could you let this happen to me you know singing to God basically how did you do this to me um so that was that and like a few days later again the doctor he calls me back and tells me it was invasive ductal carcinoma um that's the type of cancer that it is and it had spread so they checked the other side also and there was cancer in everywhere that they checked so the full the left breast the on the left arm um you know lymph node under the arm and then in the right side also lymph nodes which means that it wasn't contained anymore in the breast it spread and he was saying that it's stage four and i remember i was actually um by my sister's house in brooklyn because i was at home but i felt like i was just you know my family's in new york we had just moved to new jersey and I was overwhelmed and I just remember going to my sister's and finding out the news there and having to like call my husband and tell him um and that's yeah that's how I found out um I went to a I called RCCS Rofi Holland Cancer Society which is an organization and they kind of help you figure out like what to do once you have a diagnosis like you know go to you know different doctors who take my insurance or just help out. So I called them and um, I went to one cancer center and I remember that doctor, like I had like, literally I looked back at that, my calendar in, in that month, um, February, you know, I guess, what was it? 2020, right? Maybe 21. I don't know. These years, like COVID years are just blending into one. Was it like about like eight months ago or more than a year than that? Okay. Yeah. It was more than a year. It was more than a year. So then it was 20. Okay. So 2020, right? Literally it's like, Oh no, it could okay. have been 21, whatever. Counting is ah, not my gist, know, whatever. Right? It was a while ago. Continue. A while ago. <laughs> yes. So like February, it's like, okay, meeting with, um, having an ultrasound, MRI, um, breast surgeon, meeting with the oncologist, like all these, like a day after day, so many different appointments. And then I also had a four, four or five month old baby and I was like, just so it literally just like spiraling. And, um, um, but so I went to them and this doctor actually looked at me and was like, she put her hand on me and she's like, you're so young. And I remember being like, Ooh, like you're feeling bad for me right now. And you're giving me this feeling of like, sucks that you're going to die. And I'm sorry. No, seriously. I was oh, like, you're right. You're you right. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. That's exactly what she was doing. <laughs> I don't like, I don't want this. I don't want you with your no hope eyes to be, you know, helping me. So I already was like, okay, I'm not really sure about her. And, um, and then the surgeon who came in was like drawing these diagrams for me, which I, I really like. I, I'm very visual. So I like that she was showing me like, you know, my different options. She would do radiation first. She would do surgery first. She would do chemotherapy first. And like what we're going to do, but also, yeah, like very like factual, like this is what we're doing. This is what's going to happen. Not like, you know, about a person like, Hey, you are the person and 
this is like something big that you're going through and she was like oh yeah you know some people work even during all this stuff like first of all I'm sorry I have I speak to a lot of different women who you know have cancer and it's very 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 hard to work and it depends on a lot of different things so anyone like I actually felt bad when I had so many bad symptoms and I was weak and I'm like what's wrong with me this doctor said that I'd probably be able to work and I'm sorry it's not a good thing to you know tell people like yeah you'll probably be fine and could work because then you'll feel really bad when you realize this is extreme torture and hell and how like so you know women we push ourselves and I was kind of like maybe I should push myself and you know anyway um the oncologist was like we need to get you into the one the, the woman who was like who put her hand on me and said oh you're so young so she was like we need to get you um into chemo like ASAP we need to start you on like six months of intense chemotherapy and um and we'll see how it goes from there I think every week or not every day yeah every week and it's gonna be like you know hours at a time and you know my sister was there with me uh she was like writing down all this information and she's very like you know unfortunately she had a lot of you know health issues in her life also with her and her her husband her son it's just really a lot but it kind of teaches you like okay how to be organized and she was also a very organized person so she you know write down wrote down all the information and all the numbers and everything and anyway they scheduled me to have chemotherapy that week like let's say we went on a monday like so let's say friday they told me to come in um i was like not feeling it and i'm very also like a very like energetic kind of person so like I kind of you know wanted to I don't know I felt like there was something that I shouldn't I shouldn't be doing this so I actually canceled the chemo and I did not do it and they're like what I called and I'm like oh, I'm gonna cancel my chemo appointment and it's like no one cancels you, you know you need this what do you mean you're canceling and um yeah so I, I canceled like twice and the oncologist was like she called me and she doesn't call anybody. She's like the head and, you know, she's like, you're depressed. We need to prescribe you some Zoloft and you're going to take this. You're going to feel much better. And then you're just nervous and you're going to come and do it. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Again, also, I had a lot of people who were talking to me about, um, you know, natural ways of healing cancer and, and all that stuff. So I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll do that. Maybe like I'll, you know, heal it naturally and then I'll be able to maybe even help people and blah 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 you know and I whatever it was just so hard I was torn because my my family was like looking at me seeing me I was getting much more weak at that point and um and especially because of all the doctors and after the biopsies and everything they were saying this is not good this is spreading it's very aggressive um the type of cancer that I had um you know triple positive meaning like it, it, it's a it's a form of aggressive cancer basically and they said we have to act fast and here I am canceling my chemo appointments and saying that I'm gonna you know cure it with all these natural things which you know I there's a time and a place for that stuff but I was just anyway eventually I found um a different doctor um where I am right now in Mount Sinai and they were doing a research study and with you know people who are stage four um, triple positive breast cancer, which I had, and I went there and started my treatment. Um, and that's what I've been doing.
I, w- I want to talk about the natural aspect of this um, for a second. Yeah. I'm going to guess based on the fact that you were seeing a midwife um, and that and stereotypically that you nurse your kids until they're two years old. That and and I hope that this is not offensive in any way. I'm going to guess that you are more. How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to guess that you're more inclined towards homeopathic type things in general. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah. yeah. So when it came to deciding whether, I mean, like chemotherapy is the exact opposite of anything homeopathic on any level. Was it difficult for you to decide? Because to me, <laughs> scheduled C-section formula fed, like that's, um, you know, that that's that's pretty much all you need to know about. I'm super medical and, and all those kinds of things. And for me, it's, for me, it seems like that's kind of dangerous to start messing around with herbs and supplements or things that you know are not necessarily as studied as like chemo or things like that did you consider any of that what was your yeah so um when you're in this state of shock and like like just intense um overwhelm I wasn't really like thinking rationally and I was also really persuaded by certain people so I had you know of like I was in this world of you know I'm, I'm very I'm a balanced person so I do I have a lot of I have friends who are you know homeopaths who are energy healers who you know do all that good stuff and then I have a lot of friends who you know we go out and have cheesecake and, and all these whatever um and you know just do everything and which is fine because really we're all people and whatever floats your boat that's kind of how I am. So whatever is good for you at the end of the day is what is going to work. So anyway, those people, I had the people who, um, this woman, this one woman who I'm thinking in particular, she kind of like took over. Basically, she was like, hey, Shauna, we're going to help you. I know she basically like implanted in my head, like you're going to die if you do chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And that's what she told me basically. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and she was like, okay, she, she kind of like just took over and like called this, like a few different people. She, um, she honestly manipulated like my mother actually, because at one point I was like, okay, no, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to listen to my, like my husband was like, he looked at me like, Shauna, what are you doing? You know, he doesn't want me to die. And he, he was really scared. And when I saw the look in his eyes and the fear, I was like, okay, this is real. And what am like, what am I doing? Like, and God forbid, what if I do all this natural stuff and I don't make it? Then I don't want anyone to be like, wow, I wish she would have, you know, maybe like took our advice or tried to go with the doctor. So we, we had a whole discussion. So I, anyway, she manipulated my mom and kind of told her, tell Shauna that this doctor who I trusted, you know, told her to call whatever this naturopath. So my mom, like, also was really really scared and I love my mom and she just I guess you know wanted the best for me and and my mom also was kind of like you know into the homeopathy and stuff like that so she wanted me to look and and find you know anything that would help with without chemo but obviously she knows you know whatever I have to do I have to do but anyway I'm just saying that I'm not blaming her but she I got to why that's why I met with this person because I thought that this doctor who I trusted was saying yes this guy who this this woman is telling me to go to, he knows what he's talking about. I was like, oh, if this doctor said that, then maybe I should just go and find out. So like, 
I ended up going to this person and, and like looking into all these different things because I thought that, you know, this person was behind it. Then once I heard that that was a lie, I literally, I told this woman, like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to do what's good for me. And I kind of like, that's when I kind of like bounced back to myself. I think I was in like a daze of like, oh yes. Okay. Yes. You're, you're saying you're going to help me. Okay. I'm going to follow you. What, what should I do? You know, I remember like having a notebook and talking about these different juices and the different measurements of broccoli and, and beets and ginger and um, turmeric and all these things that are going to be good and cancer fighting foods. And I was honestly like overwhelming myself so much. I was looking at listening to different things and getting all these books and how to fight cancer and naturally all this stuff. And then finally I was like, wait a minute, like this is like, I remember someone told me don't rush, just feel yourself come into your body. And, and that's, then that's kind of like where I usually am, but here I was like overwhelmed. So I was letting myself get blown away, but they're like, listen to your body. What do you feel comfortable with? If you're not comfortable with everything she's telling you, then, you know, don't do that. If you feel comfortable, like, even if you're going to feel comfortable going to the chemo and you know, that's toxic, but you feel like this could help you, then that is more of a benefit than feeling nervous while you're taking all the juice. You know what I mean? So I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, so I eventually told her, I'm going to go to this doctor. I'm going to do this research study, which is honestly, it's a step um, down from toxicity than regular chemotherapy. I'm still on, um, you know, chemo drugs. It's not the, the, the standard chemo. So I'm not sitting there in IVs for hours at a time. And that's why I didn't lose all my hair. In the beginning, a lot of my hair fell out and a lot of different things, but you know, it, it is different. So when I, but when I told her that she's like, I'm very disappointed in you. Mm. You're giving up on your, she, yeah. She's like, you're giving up on yourself. And at that point, when she said that, I just smiled. It was like, oh, you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> now I see it. You know, like, how could you tell someone who just found out she had stage four breast cancer that you're disappointed in them? Like, who the F do you think you are? I'm sorry. But like, no, that's, like, that's warranted, please. Wow. Yes. So I eventually, yeah, I blocked her number. I blocked her on social media. I had wanted nothing to do with her because I realized she's a toxic person. Like, I'm sorry, you know, you're t- telling me chemo is toxic. You're toxic. So I ended it with her and I started doing a lot of, um, emotional and you know inward um work and I worked on myself and you know you really needed to learn how to accept what's going on and do it in a way where you know this sucks this really does suck but I am going to embrace whatever I have and all the blessings that I have and look for ways to you know continue my life with whatever I'm given so that's what I'm doing now. You know, I'm, I'm, I just started a new drug, um, two weeks ago and I'm really dealing with a lot of different, really harsh side effects and it's hard, but I'm just, I'm going along with emotions. And, and also, you know, it's a good thing that we did this, um, podcast today because, you know, yesterday I found out that good news, um, which basically for the listeners who don't know, um, eventually my, the cancer, spread to my brain and I had um I found out that I had 12 brain tumors and um I did a gamma knife radiation 
and that was like a month and a half ago and I just um, found out that the scans for my brain were cleared and they don't see any more tumors in the brain so it's good that we're doing it now so I get to share that good news. Yeah I when I when I saw that last night when you had first shared that I was like "Ah, just Yeah. yeah I mean I uh, as as relieved as I was, I can only imagine what that was like for you um, and your family. The so you were you first started chemo a couple months ago, right? Um. So um, it's been a year and a little bit. Okay. So Let's say a year and a half. Okay. A year and a half. Mostly. Okay. So I think that when most people think of a cancer patient. Like I think of someone in a hospital. I think of someone in a hospital. I think of someone like a that's I think of a bald person in a hospital. That's basically what I'm right, thinking about. Yes, um exactly. you are not either of those things. Right. What what does your day-to-day look like now? Okay, yeah. So it yeah, this is something that, you know, people look at me and they're like, What? You don't have cancer? Because yeah, like in the movies, you know, the person finds out they have cancer and in the next scene you see them in the hospital and they're bald and they're hips hooked up to an IV and they're, you know, their eyes are all droopy and they're just like, you know, and it's so pathetic and you're scared, which yes, that can happen. And, um, you know, many people who do traditional chemotherapy lose their hair. Um, also nowadays we have wigs. So anyways, people wouldn't really know because you can wear a wig. Um, but so since I am doing the trial drugs, I'm basically doing hormone suppressant um, drugs. So my type of cancer is there's three different like hormones and proteins in the body, in my body that are feeding the cancer. And they kind of basically, they're trying to block all that stuff. So estrogen and um, they're blocking all that. So right now, like my ovaries are suppressed and I am in medically induced menopause. So I am a 33-year-old woman in menopause and there's that kind of stuff, but it doesn't, you know, people who look at me won't be able to tell, you know, they can't tell that, you know, that's going on. Um, and also, to be honest with you, not everyone sees what's going on in the house. So I, I'm home like a lot of the times and really just like hunched over in pain like right you know before this podcast I took some you know pain medication and a few other things for help with nausea and other lovely side effects because I knew that I'll need to you know be able to function so you know people you know don't know everything and don't see you know everything as much as I'm public quote-unquote and all that stuff and I do show myself you know crying sometimes on social media or, or I talk about my symptoms but you know, I just think that people don't really know. They're not there with you in the, you know, in the trenches, basically. And they don't see what's going on. So, yeah. But a lot of different, you know, friends of mine who have cancer. And we always talk about how funny it is. Or not funny, but people say, oh, you don't look sick. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you, what do you mean? You don't have cancer. But you basically cannot judge a book by its cover. Um everyone handles things differently everyone you know can look different from from the treatment and um also I don't want to go outside looking the way I feel so I will 
a lot of times, you know, put on makeup or put on my wig or my, you know, wrap on my head and, um, and not, you know, let people see how I am. And also, let's say I do have energy and I'll, let's say um, I went to synagogue with my family and, and we're there for, let's say, I don't know, two hours and I'm talking and I'm being social because that's who I am. I love talking to people. I love, you know, being social and laughing and making jokes. So I do all that. And that's basically all the energy that I have that I just literally use in those two hours. And then I go home and I crash and I lay down on my couch and I'm like, oh my God, I'm tired. I'm exhausted, but I'm so grateful that I had those two hours. So, but someone looking at me and they're like, oh, you know, look at her. She's fine. And they think that I'm like that the whole entire day, but they don't know that I just went home and just took a you know, four hour nap. Right. You know, so again, you can never judge a book by its cover. My, my day-to-day looks different every day, but um, sometimes it's, you know, getting up, helping my kids get out to school. My husband does a lot of the work, but, you know, um, I still show my face. So my kids are like, where's mommy? And um, I go to appointments. So if they have a treatment day, that means like, you know, go into the city, drive an hour. I don't drive anymore um, because I get dizzy and I'll never know when it will happen. So I don't feel comfortable, you know, driving. So thank God I have people drive me or I have Ubers. And I go into the city, spend like basically the whole entire day there usually, and, or have scans. Um, it depends. Um, I also go for, you know, different types of therapies, like for, you know, I think it's very important to deal with the emotional aspect of cancer, which is huge. You know, doctors are dealing with, okay, how do we fight this? How do we fight that? And, and this hormone, that hormone and all the blood and the cells, but like what's happening with your emotions, what's happening with your thoughts and your, and your, you know, your life basically. So I'm really trying to do that and, and deal with, you know, going to the hospital for my treatment for, you know, just killing the cancer cells and then going to therapies and either even massage therapy, craniosacral therapy, you know, talk therapy. Um, and I try to do that. I also, um, started like a different like a course kind of thing where we do like inner child work I'm really trying to get back into that and I do journaling and art and laugh therapy which is a real thing and trying to get myself to just be like just find joy because that's basically what we all have to do and especially if you're going through a really hard time to find ways in your day to just laugh and try your hardest to just, you know, not let all the hardships just consume your entire life. So what is something that, you know, if you could give people listening one message about, you know, what it is that you're going through actively fighting this super aggressive cancer, what would that be? Um, I guess I would say that they should have in mind that everyone is an individual and if they know someone who has cancer, they shouldn't lump them all together. And they shouldn't say, oh, okay, yeah. So I, I saw someone who had cancer and she was working during her treatment. So you're probably going to work. Or uh, she lost her hair. So you're probably going to lose her hair. Or she was, you know, fine emotionally. So you'll be fine. Like everyone's different. Everyone's, first of all, cancer is different. 
Um, there's different types of cancer. There's different stages of cancer. In the stages, there's there's different subcategories. So literally, it's so different. And everyone's lives are different. Everyone's financial situation is different. So some people can go out and, and treat themselves to, you know, a massage or a manicure or whatever, or, and some people, you know, can't. And people have different support systems. You know, some people have, I, I hear of people who say, yeah, my, my mother came and lived with me for, I don't know how, how, how long, or I, I went into my mom's house or my mom cooked for me for this much time. And that's amazing. And it's like, whoa, I don't have my mother living with me. I don't have my mother near me. And it's really hard. I don't have my family at all around me. I live in a neighborhood where, thank God, really nice people. And they really are so helpful. Honestly, sometimes even better than family. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like I don't I don't have that. I don't have my sisters here. I don't have my parents here. So it's really difficult. And not everyone is the same. I would say that, you know, when you hear of someone who has cancer, you should listen to them talk about how it's how it is affecting them individually in their life and in their situation and not bring in any other you know previous information that you have from other people because everyone is an individual and everyone is different and everyone's lives are different and it's it's really you know you cannot compare at all yeah I I definitely hear that if somebody wants to um get in touch with you or, you know, continue to learn about this journey, um, that you are currently on, where can they go, Shauna? Um, well, I have my Instagram. That's where I post everything. And I, yeah, my Instagram is Shauna.Aliyev. And I just, I share what I can when I can. And it's just a lot of people are, you know, following along the way. Actually, some people message me saying that, they actually got mammograms because of my story and one person found it and thank God it was really early. She wasn't supposed to get a mammogram. She just was like, you know what? I feel like, you know, I think she had a family history. She was pretty young and she found that she had cancer. So she just literally went, got it taken out, had surgery and she would have never known. So, right. Yeah. Ah, wow. And um, we're, we're always thinking about you. Um, we're always thinking about you um, and always keeping you, in our thoughts. Uh, the last thing that I want to ask you, Shauna, is what does it mean to you to make an impact? Um, to make an impact, I think that it means to leave a little, kind of like a little imprint in someone, in someone's life, like, you know, kind of like a little warm hug. And, and that could be so many different things, you know, a smile, smiling someone at some, you know, someone walking by and giving them a smile. It's like, you left an impact on their life right now, right? That day they feel a little bit more, you know, joy in their life, you know, sending someone a good message or, or sending, you know, good information, you're impacting them. So I would say to make an impact, it's just leaving a little bit of your, you know, of yourself with that person and changing their life in any way. That's. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show today, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Shauna, her information is in the show notes. On the last episode, I spoke with Shana Greenfield about how she approached BRCA with a family history. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of impact fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. 
See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 17 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.